Welcome to the FishCast. This week on the FishCast, we discuss everything from Ed Georgeron getting told to step down after the season to whom may replace him. We also discuss Nick Rolovich and what Washington State may do as their drama in Cougarland. In our final segment, we discuss Spencer Rattler. He went from Heisman Trophy frontrunner and talk of the first round to possibly ending up in the transfer portal. Where may he end up if he does decide to transfer? Hello. Happy week. Welcome to the FishCast. My name is Corey Long. As always, an equally important member of the FishCast is the podcast is named after. It's Charles Fishbine. What up, Fish? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm not doing as good as Ed Orgeron, who's getting $18 million to leave LSU, but I'm doing good. How are you doing? I wish I got fired for my head coaching job in college football. I, I, I would just take a job and get fired. I would. I would take a job and then just be so bad that they'd have to fire me in like a week. I mean, it's like the one business that you get fired and they're like, <laughs> you're, you're like, when's my check coming? All right, no problem. Yeah. No, we we have to – we don't think you're doing a good job, so we're going to pay you an enormous amount of money to not do the job anymore. And to um, go take another job if you want to. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. So, uh, in case you've been living under a rock, Ed Orgeron had an LSU decided him with a separation agreement. The big man who won a title in 2019 is going to coach out the rest of the season, and he's going to get a $17.8 million buyout. Now, part of the some of the uh, the the uh, agreements that settle is that he can't take another SEC head coaching job within the next 18 months. I don't think that'll be a problem. I don't think he wants to be head coach anymore for what it's worth. And he had the weird one is he has to show up or they're actually like, I guess once a year, if LSU requests him to show up at a public event, he has to go and show up, which I don't think will happen. Like that, that part was funny to me. I don't see that actually happening. I don't see another coach being like, yeah, I trust Ed Orgeron to go meet the boosters down in Thibodeau, you know, <laughs> down in Huma, Louisiana, and hang out with them and speak highly of LSU. I expect them to go and drink up a lot of our bar tab and start telling stories. But, you know, so I don't really worry about that part. Fish. Uh, you know, this is your cast. This is your, your name's on the cast. We both know Orgeron. We both have a pretty good relationship with the old coach. This was not a surprise. What are your overall thoughts? I, I You know, when he got hired, I told you I didn't think he'd make it. And I was kind of proven wrong when he won the national title. But I just – he failed at, at Ole Miss. I didn't think he was the guy to be the head coach there. Um he caught lightning in the bottle with uh, Brady and, and Aranda to be on the staff. He had a super staff. They had a super team. They won the national title. And within m- less than a couple months, the wheels just came off the wagon. They lost, He lost both of those coaches. He replaced uh, his D coordinator with an expensive contract to Polini, who had been there before. And that was 
a failure. And he just hired two new coordinators this year who neither had the experience to coach at this level or maybe that job to be their first job. And it's just, it's been not a good scene for two years since they won a national title. And this is a program that should never fall off and never fall off this quick, quickly um, in the grand scheme of things. And, and the wheels came off and now they're looking for a new head coach at the end of this year. I always, I mean, I say, I think you would agree with this is that Orgeron's success was going to be in being as a head coach was going to have to come in basically being a CEO, having a good staff, and mostly dealing with the player side of things in a program, like, you know, being their dad, dealing with some culture issue, dealing with like, you know, keeping the culture clean, keeping the players happy, you know, and letting the coaches do their thing. And that's why I think 2019 was so successful. He had a good staff and he let them do their thing. You know, he wasn't, he was and I, I think that's where he, he knew that. And I think that's why he kept trying to hire different coordinators because he wanted coordinators that he felt could do their thing and he didn't have to interfere. But because it just wasn't working out, he was doing more coaching than he was being the head coach or being the CEO. So is that, is that kind of how you felt? The, the problem with the whole CEO thing, and it's working with Dabo at Clemson because he's been able to keep those coordinators in check for a few years. And you're even starting to see it there is that, one, you have to continue to recruit at a very high level. And it's at LSU, you should be able to do that. But two, it's it's not so easy to find these coaches. I mean, people bring up Alabama. Alabama is the outlier to everything. They're, they're not the rule. They're the exception to everything from recruiting to f- getting coaches. I mean, he gets former head coaches to come and coach on his staff. Saban does. It works, but you need one the you know Bobby won because he had so much continuity. Mickey Andrews, those guys did not leave. But once Chuck left, and once Mark Rick left, you even saw it there that he was not immune to um, the whole coaching change. It it just it's a very difficult thing to find great coaches. There are only so many of them. There's a lot of good coaches, but not every guy's a fit. You see it. Some guys can go to one school and they don't do well, and then they go to another school and they do well. And it's just sometimes it's fit. Sometimes it's, you know, personnel. Sometimes, you know, you go to a school and LSU lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal. So a lot of those guys, those guys were supposed to coach this year. They didn't get to coach them. They're coaching a guy that's a little less quality uh, as a second or third stringer. So you can't, there's so many things that go into it. Um, and then it comes down to how many you know, contacts to these guys. Ed Orgeron probably, while he's coached a long time, he probably has a small circle of people he could pull from unless somebody recommends somebody. So it's not it's not an easy situation. Um, I, you, you could see this thing coming a mile away, uh, even though they won a national championship. And I'm not surprised. I've told you all along, I never thought he would succeed there. Outside of the one great year he had, I ended up being right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the thing to be said with Orgeron is that he's not – he was not a – you know, he was a head coach at Ole Miss. 
um, which was a long time ago. It really doesn't even really reflect into what he is now. He took, you know, he was a D-line. He was a position coach and a recruiting ace, which I think he still is. I think he's still a hell of a recruiter. And uh, he took the job that took the interim job at USC, thought he was going to get that job. They hired Sarkeesian. You know, he left, was a D-line coach again, and then he took over at LSU when they fired Les Miles. So, yeah, in that sense that it wasn't like he was a coordinator that had ran a staff and had a bunch of position coaches. You know, he was one of those guys. He was a high-end position coach. I, you know, I mean, I don't say that he wasn't a success. He was. He won a title. Titles are hard to win. He's only one of three coaches that are current four coaches that are currently in the in in college football that have a title. So he was successful. Um, what happened when when LSU fired Les Miles? It was because they had a hunch of what they could be, and Les Miles was not getting them there. When Orgeron came in and 2019 happened, those LSU fans were saying, "See, we were right. This is exactly what we could be." And at the end of the day, Orgeron isn't the type that got to sustain that. So they know what they can be, and now they can go out and find a coach that they feel like can best set them up for what they can be and what they feel like they can be, which is a high-end, compete for a championship, compete to be number one, compete for top five recruiting every year, do all those things every year. I have an idea who I think the next head coach is going to be, but I'm going to let you speak first. Again, your podcast, your name on it. So we're, I think a lot of dominoes are going to fall with this one. So we're replacing that order on. Who are your names? Who are your, give me your top three to five. I mean, number one is going to be Jimbo Fisher. Let's be realistic. He, he coached at LSU, um, him and the athletic director who hired him at Texas A&M is now at A&M. But I think you're going to be surprised I'm going to say this. I think their number one target is going to be Lincoln Riley. And somebody I spoke to told me this. I trust their uh, judgment. I'm not saying Lincoln will leave, but that's going to be their number one guy. You could forget all the noise, forget it. Lincoln Riley will be their number one guy. You're going to hear Mel Tucker, who my whole thing is I've talked about Mel Tucker. I think he's done a great job at Michigan State. He has become, if you go look at his track record, he does not stay at schools very long or programs or NFL teams. He averages about a year and a half at each place. And at some point, you you need a coach that's willing to stay there. So my guy is – Lincoln Riley, I think that I think he's done everything he could at Oklahoma. If he doesn't win the title this year, I think at some point he sees, listen, it's going to be very difficult in that SEC, going to the SEC. Oklahoma's not going to be one, two, or three in that conference. Um, at LSU, he could basically pick and choose his players. He could get the guys in there, and he's going to be possibly the next head coach at Oklahoma. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, no, it'll never happen, but that's the guy that I was told this weekend that they are going to make a major, major push for. I, I you know, the, the LSU AD Scott Woodward kind of made it clear by doing this seven weeks in is that he's going big game. Hunt. He 
he didn't he didn't fire he didn't fire Ed Orgeron halfway through the season to hire Billy Napier. No offense to Billy Napier, I think he's a heck of a coach, and I think when he gets the the situation that he wants, he's going to be very successful in it. But he 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 has gotten rid of Orgeron with you know halfway through the season, so he could figure out what it's going to take to get the guy that he wants in there. My top five is very simple. One through three is Jimbo Fisher. He's my top three choices. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he's headed. Yeah. I just, I feel, and it's not, you know, he got him, he got, he plucked him from FSU to get him to AM. There is no buyout at AM, I don't believe. I don't think he has a buyout there. No. What happened, and the reason I say Jimbo, and you and I both know Jimbo, and full disclosure, we're both considerably close with Jimbo. Jimbo has given us access to his programs that, you know, he doesn't give access to just everybody. So the one thing you and I both know about Jimbo is he is a forward-thinking man. The reason things didn't work out at FSU is because he wanted things that they were not ready to give him because he felt like that's where the game was headed and he wanted to compete. A&M was wanting to give him all those things, so he left. Now, the one hook that A&M has is that it's the SEC school in Texas. And I think it's a recruiting, you know, I think it helps with their recruiting. But now that Texas and Oklahoma are jumping in, A&M goes back to being the other school in Texas. And now that the other school in Texas in the same conference, and I don't see Jim, I think Jimbo's looking and saying, it's going to get a lot harder. You know, it's one thing when I could always, the difference between me and Texas and, and Oklahoma was that we're in the SEC, we're in the big leagues, we're in the best conference. Now they're going to have that same exact hook that we have. And you've been to College Station, I've been to College Station, you know, it's, I ain't, I ain't going to knock College Station publicly because I'm sure there's people that like it there, but, you know, College Station ain't all that. It ain't It ain't like, you know, you, I, it, I, it, it ain't all that. Let's, let's be honest. Corey, I, I don't think Jimbo's worried about Steve Sarkeesian. I'm sorry. I don't care which. I don't, I don't think he's worried about Steve Sarkeesian. I don't, I don't think he's worried about any coach. I think he's worried about Texas having access to that SEC lifestyle. And even more money and less regulations. I think that, and I also just think he feels like now is the time. Now that they're coming in, this is the perfect time to jump to LSU, where I don't have these issues. I don't have to deal with the the school in Texas, the you know school that everybody knows about coming in on my territory. He's been at LSU. He knows he can win. He knows he can get anything he wants at LSU. The money is going to be the same. And it, and it, that team is just closer to winning a championship. Like, as much as we like, we love AM, but we saw AM's limitations this year in the sense that he had a very good top end quarterback named Haynes King that came in there. Haynes got hurt. He broke his foot, broke his leg or something. The kid behind him, Jimbo's done a good job, but there's a level of depth that you can't get at AM that you can get at LSU. Yeah, there's no listen, but he's got the number one or one of the number one quarterbacks in the it's all subjective. He has a five star mm-hmm. yeah. he has a five star quarterback coming in. I, I love the kids' film. 
is probably the best quarterback he's recruited since Jameis. He's got that team on the verge. And I know people say you can't win at Texas A&M. I believe he's now proven he could beat Saban. So let's get over that. Oh, he can never beat Saban. We heard, oh, he can't win the West because he can't beat Saban. He's done that. Um, I I think he could win a a playoffs and a national title at Texas A&M. I don't think it's – it's still going to be difficult at LSU, not as difficult, but there's certain things at Texas A&M that are pluses. I think there's certain, you know, LSU's always struggled to recruit quarterbacks until they got Joe Burrow, who was a transfer quarterback, and they got a nice roster, but it has been a school that is difficult where you're in the state they of Texas. guys that had Ryan Parallel. Oh, the, no, they definitely they had, had guys. But yeah. I'm saying that, but consistently. They had guys. But year in and year out. It's been listen. I've this. I'm not saying this without saying that I haven't spoken to Jimbo or people that have been on that staff. This is not me saying this. This is them telling me this. So let's you know. I don't want to get in an argument over this. I'm telling you what they told me. It's not. It's it is more difficult to recruit quarterbacks to that school for whatever reason. Where if you're in the state of Texas, you have access to. I mean, like. Let's be honest. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was a three-star kid and went to Texas Tech. And you look at Baker Mayfield, and you you can find quarterbacks in the state of Texas under rocks. All right, they just they exist. They may not be highly rated kids, all of them, but the depth and the talent at that position is greater in the state of Texas. That's why those schools are. You look at every school in the state. The coaches are able to pull quarterbacks to those schools. It's easier to do. Where at LSU, the state doesn't produce as many quarterbacks, so you have to go outside the state, and then you have to, that means now you have to compete with other schools. Remember, Jamarcus came from Mobile. There haven't been a lot of Jamarcus Russells coming out of Mobile since. I mean, Jameis came out of uh, South Alabama area, but not in the Mobile area. It was more. Um, I don't uh, think that's a. But I don't see that – like, he can still go into Texas and get a quarterback if he's no, at no, LSU. He can do that, but you're recruiting – now you're recruiting maybe Houston area. You're not You're not going to – LSU's probably not going to be as likely to pull a kid from the Dallas-Fort Worth area or, or Austin area or East Texas. I mean, if you're going to be stuck to – relegated to recruiting a certain part of the state of Texas. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but you still are limited – in recruiting that area or players from at that position to LSU. Now, listen, LSU is a great job as far as a lot of other things. You're going to get basically no competition for anybody in the state of LSU, Louisiana. And Jimbo, if Jimbo goes there, the kids leaving that state uh, to Alabama and that is over. I mean, that's over. That's, that's not, over. Yeah. I mean, you may as well not even bother recruiting the state anymore because one through 25, he's going to be able to get whoever he wants. Uh, Listen, you know, I have a ton of respect for Jimbo. I think he's a top five coach in the country. I think anybody that doesn't think that is straight stupid. And I hate to insult those people, (laughs) but enough's enough. Like, I don't want to hear he can't win with Jay without Jameis. He can't win without this. He, he, listen, he recruited those players. All right. And he's recruiting these kids to Texas A&M. And if you watch Texas A&M, that roster is a lot better now than it was when he first got there. 
he was un- unfortunate to lose his quarterback this year. I don't care. It's, it's been proven at other schools that you lose that position. Not everybody could just replace him with another guy. All right. You look at Clemson. They have a five-star quarterback. They have the same coaches, but sometimes that doesn't always mean you're going to continue to win. We talked about this. It's hard to maintain success outside of what Saban has done at Alabama, which is not the norm. It's, it's, it's not normal what he's done. I mean, we're going to go back and look. This will be the greatest run in the history of college football. When he retires, it will not be duplicated. So let's get over that. Coaches lose. We hear about it all the time. Oh, this coach, you know, Miami fans don't want Mario Cristobal. We talked about this. Oh, they don't want him because he lost one game. All right. Name me the coaches that don't lose. It just, you know, you got to be realistic. These coaches are not perfect. They are going to lose games. It's, it's two, it's all timing of when you lose those games, you know, it's, and with the playoffs expanding to 12 teams in the future, Teams are going to stack their their schedules with harder teams, so that they that there's like a point system. They're rewarded even in losses. So you're going to have less and less coaches going undefeated. It's it's going to be harder and harder to do. And Jimbo's one of the best. It would be a great move for LSU. I think it's a it would work for both parties. But it comes down to does you know maybe Jimbo doesn't want to move again. Maybe he's happy at A and M. Maybe he you know supposedly. At LSU, there's more people involved in decision making, kind of like Texas, where at AM he's given full run. He could do whatever he wants. He could hire whoever he wants. You know? So it's good, you know, he may he may be the number one choice, but how many times have we seen the number one choice come off the board really quick? There's no no doubt about that. No doubt he can he might not he, all the things you said might be true. Again, I think Jimbo is a forward. I think he's a guy that looks down the road. He looks forward. He sees that Nick Saban is 75 years old. And he can't, Nick, you know, Nick is Nick is the man. There ain't nobody here on this podcast is not saying Nick is absolutely 100% that dude. But he's not going to be there forever. And if you're Jimbo, you're probably thinking, where can I go where I can have sustainability success year in and year out? That place is LSU. Yep. And that's why I think he's going to go there. Now, you know, that, that surprised me when you told me that. I, I, I'm not surprised LSU is looking at him. I would say I would be surprised. Um, you know, I'd be a little surprised if he left Oklahoma. I feel like he's like – he feels like he's established there. But, you know – Nothing, nothing's out of the ordinary. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing would say there would be nothing that would shock me. I'd be a little surprised if he left, but it wouldn't shock me. Um, we heard we both hear James Franklin's name. I, I don't know if this is the right fit for James Franklin. I think he's really good where he is, but I also think that SE, the USC job might be just a little bit more appealing to him. Be honest with you. He, I would take his name off. I, I just don't see that. He's first off, he's a PA guy. He's uh, he's, I think one of the another guy that's one of the top coaches yeah. in college football. For him to leave, it will either be the NFL or it's going to be USC. And yeah, I, I, I think, think USC, USC job. Yeah. The USC job seems more like him. If you had to ask me, yeah. Uh, 
I, Mel Tucker, it, I, I heard Mel Tucker's name, and I would call him like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't don't get Willie Taggart. It'll yeah. happen. Don't do it. Stay where you are. You're going to have a 10-win season with Michigan State. They're cool with that. Hang out there for a little while. Don't I, get I, I think he needs to build that resume up a little bit more. He's had a great season, but it, the LSU thing could, like you said, it, that thing, if he doesn't win right away, yeah. the, the, the window, he, he, he will be gone within two years if he doesn't win yeah. right away. And, and guys, if you think we're saying what you think you think we're thinking, we're, that's exactly what we're saying. Yes. yes. I would say no. I wouldn't. I, no. Uh-uh. Because here's, here's one problem with that is that if they're offering a job, you know he's not their first choice. He's probably not their second or third either. So it just, you know, you don't want to be fourth choice guy walking in with people thinking you're going to win a title. It's just a bad fit. It just doesn't work. So Mel Tucker, stay far away. If I were you, you know, no matter how much they offer you, and it'd be a lot of money, but you might just have to take a back seat on that one and, and let it go. Now, before we go, before we end Hard open. Ed Orgeron's out there again. Um, I think he wants to go back to coaching D-line. And I think there'd be, you know, he's a tremendous D-line coach and a tremendous recruiter. I mean, here's a guy, he just does not, he recruits great players. That's what he does. Like, he doesn't go out there and recruit dudes that might be good. His whole thing is, I got to get great whenever I'm on the recruiting trail. I think... We had talked about this too off air, but I think if Dan Mullen could handle his personality, Florida really needs a recruiting ace. They need a guy that can thin the recruiting gap between them, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, basically the other top five SEC teams. And I think he could be that guy. You take a look at the University of Florida, you're right. They need an ace recruiter. Um, I think they've recruited better than people have thought, but they still, if, to close that gap between them and Georgia in that conference, they need to go to that next step in recruiting. But that's just reality. Georgia's recruiting at an elite, elite level. And it makes it difficult when you go across the field and every year you have the less talented roster. And you got to out coach them every year. And I'm not saying Mullen can't out coach, but it, it just, you see, there's a reason why they lose to Florida, to lose to Kentucky. Their roster, we've talked about this. A great coach, week in and week in, for one week, can come up with a great scheme, you know, and you can beat teams for one week, maybe two. Over 12 games, you are going to get exposed. Once teams see, all right, this team can't stop the run, teams are going to find a way to run on you. And LSU did that. LSU's not a better team than Florida this year, but they saw that Florida can't stop the run. So what did they do? They just kept running, and they ran, and they ran. And I still think they're running on them as we speak. I think LSU is still running on the Gators' defense. That Price kid ran for about, what, 461 yards in that game or something like that? Yeah, he basically won't run for 400 yards the rest of the season combined <laughs> in all the games. Like, he just had his career day. If you took him on DraftKings, 
as one of your fantasy <laughs> players. Do not draft him again. Trust yeah. me. If you think about draft picks this past week, yeah. congratulations because yeah. you just bought yourself like a yeah. $450,000 home. Yeah, you, you got him for $1,400. He's coming in at around $7,500 this week. And, and trust me, he ain't going to live up to that. Just don't do it. But, you know, he he needs he needs recruiters, you know, and, and at, listen, every coach has flaws or blind spots. His blind spot is he's he's relied on God. He he's coached and been a head coach and recruited with the mentality of, hey, I'm going to out recruit or out scheme guys. We're going to beat them on game day. If our talents equal or better, we uh, will win these games. And that's fine. That gets you to nine, maybe 10 wins. But to get to 12, that magical number of 11 or 12 to play for a title, to win the SEC East and also win the SEC Conference, you need better players. They are not at Alabama's and um, Georgia's level. And I, I almost think they've fallen behind LSU. Um, talent, you know, their, their talent level is not as good as LSU's maybe this year. Uh, A&M's kind of bypassed them. They've become like the fifth or sixth team in that conference. And you're just not going to win week in and week out in that conference unless you have the best roster. It doesn't, it's, I don't care what you're, you could put, I've always said as great as Nick Saban is, if you think he's going to win a title at Rice, you're out of your minds. It's, you just, it's about recruiting, getting better recruiters on your staff. And yes, coaching is very important, but it gets you an extra win or two. That's it. I mean, I think we agree that Mike Norvell, and we're, we'll talk about that. For I'm going to go off subject. I think he's done a very good job at Florida State, though, especially the last few weeks. Maybe it hasn't – the coaching's better this year than it was last year. But at the end of the day, he's not going to win at Florida State unless he gets better players. It doesn't yeah. matter how much coaching you do. It's hard. Coaches will tell you it's hard to coach up a whole season. It's great to do it for one or two games. But for the length of a season, 12 games, you are going to get exposed mm-hmm. at some yeah. point. Do you think you think um, Orgeron will be a fit at Florida State? I, I don't think so. I don't think that well, Mike Norvell could deal with that personality. You know, I learned one thing is that I, I remember Kyle Flood at Rutgers had hired uh, Ron Prince. And you went to, you went to Rutgers – summer camp and Ron Prince is driving around in the golf cart and he's talking to all the parents and you almost start to think that he's the head coach of that team, even though he's an assistant coach. And I don't know if Norvell wants that presence on his team, a guy like that, that's over your shoulder. That's won a national title because it gives FSU an excuse. If it doesn't work out, Hey, this guy already has 18 million in the bank. Maybe he'll take 1 million a year. We could just name him the interim coach for the next two or three years. You don't, I don't know if you want to put yourself in that position. If you're Mike Norvell now, if Mike Norvell doesn't have an ego and I don't think he does, but if he wants to win and he's comfortable with it and he tells, Hey, uh, at Oregon, Hey, this is a situation. I want to get better players then go for it. But you, it has to be, the right situation. I think Mike Norvell has an ego, and I don't. <laughs> I don't think this will work well, out. Well, you better be it. You got to have an yeah, ego I mean, if you're a head football yeah, coach. Yeah, but I'm just saying, ego. like, but yeah, I know what you're saying. You, I don't think. I don't is think he's he gonna would, feel comfortable in his own skin 
with Ed, Ed Orgeron's won a national title. We could say whatever we want as yeah. him being a head coach. Listen, the people of Florida State would be like, all right, well, he's won a national title. He has 18 million in the bank. Maybe, you know, maybe behind, you know, and, and he's a politician. He's going to buddy up with the, he kind of oh, yeah. like a Chuck Amato that he's going to go and he's going to buddy up and all it takes is one booster that ha- <laughs> is, puts a lot of money in there. And he's like, you know what? I don't like Mike Norvell Man, anymore. booster. Imagine, imagine Ed Orgeron hanging out with Seminole boosters. <laughs> oh my God. Trust it me. Be, it's a, be, it would be a party every day. He'll be shooting turkeys in some area of Tallahassee during, you know, you know, thir- <laughs> November with yeah. some boosters. It and trust me, he, he will befriend enough people that if they play LSU next year and that and he's on that staff now and they're like they lose and now they're like six and six next year or they're looking at a six and six or five and seven season. He's gonna buddy up to quite a few people that are and and FSU. We know they're gonna take the easy like they want the path the least resistance. Least resistance. Absolutely. So that like Ed Orgeron will be the head coach of Florida State. You know. So now and now I'm glad you brought that up because we're gonna end the uh, we're gonna end this on this is that if Jimbo takes the LSU job like I believe, who does FSU play in the second week of the season? <laughs> But LSU in Atlanta, I believe. Now, you you remember last year during COVID when schedules were being changed by the minute, you had a lot of FSU fans who were like, yeah, I hope we can get FAU on the schedule. Because, you know, they felt like, hey, maybe we can get one over on Willie Tiger because, you know, we might have a better roster. You don't well, want hey, that. You, you, you might get to face a former head coach now. How you listen, feel about that? Listen. If that happens, Ethan's college fund is definitely on the line. All right. I mean, like, like yeah. How do you like, feel about that? Like, I can't, I won't be able to enter that thing quick enough in that, that tab. All right. Yeah. How do you feel about that one of old John James is standing on that other sideline wearing the purple and the gold? That won't be a comfortable situation. Well, that wasn't the former coach y'all wanted to face, I understand. Yeah. That's one ex-girlfriend that's good, that's scorned. <laughs> <laughs> that's an ex-wife that wants to take that's a wife that wants to take you to the cleaners in that divorce court. All right. Exactly. Yeah, he might, he might, yeah, exactly. I, I was gonna say something, but I'm like, not gonna like say it. Florida State gonna... may feel like Tara Vella, all right? Yeah. <laughs> there may be a 91 spot put up, all right? Oh, jeez. How well, did that was... happen? Yeah, you were at a game that was a 91 to nothing. I wasn't at, at the game. I got a text message with the scoreboard, all right, that said 91 nothing from Demo. Demo got it from a friend of his, Artie, that coaches at uh, Western. He texted him, and Demo was shaking his head like, is this real? I'm like, I, I doubt it. Maybe the score. I mean, you know how, like, high school scoreboards don't work. Yeah. That's one time. It. That's one time as a coach you wish it didn't work. All right? Like, Terravella probably. Like, probably my, man, my man threw up 13 touchdowns on a team when there's a running clock once it hits 35. Like, it's a running clock once it hits the. You really once and and we've both covered a lot of games with running clocks. Like there's only 
three or four more possessions. One like the game bad. goes so quick in the second half. Yeah. It's a running clock. Like there's no, you're because, like, all right, they had a water break. You, you can't even remember. It happens so quickly that yeah. you're like, uh, you're filming and you're like, did I miss some plays? And then you realize you didn't miss any plays. There was only 10 plays in the third quarter. You know, it's like, what the heck happened that they got 91 put on them? And, and when I describe running clock, here's what I'm saying. You could have a one-play touchdown, say it's an 80-yard run. It's a minute that's going to run off in the time it takes you to set up for the extra point and kick it. Then another minute is going to run off when you're kicking the ball off. <laughs> so, like, even a one-play touchdown drive lasts about three minutes. What's, I mean, what's the play clock in high school? 25 seconds between 25 plays? 25 seconds, 30 seconds. All right, seconds, like, something. you could you could literally talk to the referee and be like, listen, just tell me when it's, like, one second. I'm going to take a knee. And <laughs> just either take a knee or, or, like, you tell your guys to run out of bounds. Yeah, because the clock is going to keep running. Oh, my Dude, what's God. sad is is Taravella plays today. Like, they just got thr- – who show like who shows up to that game? <laughs> I'm not like the coach. players. Yeah, exactly. Not the players. Justin's uh, filming that, by the way. Oh, uh, our producer Justin Otto is filming that game because he always gets the plum assignments. <laughs> <laughs> not only does he live in your garage, but he also gets the plum assignments uh, of, uh, of filming Terabella games. Oh man, so poor Justin. We're going to come right back with more of the fish cast. We've got an interesting thing we're going to talk about with Washington State coach Nick Rolovich, a former guest on the show. A little bit of a quick discussion on his situation when we come back. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at ForneyIn.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, Ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.